another Sleep Culture COVID edition episode. Welcome back, Marley. And how have you been sleeping in this COVID crisis? Well, um, I haven't been sleeping great. I'm pretty aware of how disrupted my sleep has been the last couple of nights, but it's not due to that usual pandemic stress keeping me awake. It's actually the temperature. I'm pretty neurotic about my bedroom temperature being just perfect for sleep. And I find that our apartment's just not that, that insulated very well. We have a lot of windows and I feel like with the changing temperatures outside and the spring temps are coming up, my bedroom, I start out and I open my window because I'm too hot and then I wake up the night and I close my window and I open my window and I have the blankets on and off and it's just, a, it's a, I feel like Constant I'm awake. Constant battle. Yeah, I'm awake all night I feel like right now just trying to get the right temperature. So I'll be happy when the seasons settle out a little bit but uh, so I can achieve my ideal 17 degrees Celsius room temperature. <laughs> because so, recommended is 16 to 19 degrees Celsius, everyone. Of course, the sleep therapist has to follow these rules. Just a little neurotic about it. <laughs> so myself, I'm actually making an effort to maintain some sort of normalcy since my work schedule obviously hasn't changed. I'm a nurse. Um, I've been using my bright light consistently though, which sometimes I can fall off the wagon with that. Um, but each morning I've been using it and it's helping me so much. I've actually been encouraging my coworkers to buy them. Um, and just right now I'm grateful to not be working night shifts at the moment, which is a huge improvement for me. So mostly due to the fact that, um, our upstairs neighbors are extremely noisy, like <laughs> so actually loud. both day and night. So, I mean, it wouldn't really matter, but thankfully there's a little bit of a break through the night. I'm actually fairly certain there's a daycare running up there, mm -hmm. which yep. may or may not be run by Lizzo, <laughs> judging by the incessant flute playing throughout the day also. I'm not really sure what's going on up there, but it is... Musical. Yeah. It's a real problem with my sleep. We have a part to play in this pandemic for sure. Everybody does with social distancing and just acting responsible. But this week we thought we would talk about how we can support our essential service workers by supporting their opportunities for sleep and proper rest in between the shifts that they get. Because as we know, that sleep, if you listen to last week's episode, is very important for our immunity. And I've heard that there's and I've experienced it myself, a lot of people are feeling this helplessness during this pandemic, not really knowing how to help because of the government mandated physical distancing and not being able or not being able to financially contribute to a cause to support our healthcare workers and essential service workers. Um, but sleep is free and, uh, is and extremely beneficial. So we've come up with some suggestions that may you may have not considered, but um, can make a big difference to the wellness of these people that are still out there working and are at risk. So like as discussed in the last episode, um, a good night's sleep really does make an impact on their immunity and, and, and things like that. So um, there are some things we can do to help essential service workers get enough sleep. And uh, we're going to tell you about those. Um, well, personally, as a nurse, working shift work, I know the challenges that come with the schedule. You know, we work 12-hour shifts. For example, mine are 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. if I'm working nights. Lucky for me, I have a short commute. So that means when I get off work at 7, I'm usually home by 7.15 most days. But, you know, when I get home, I still have to eat, shower, clean up, pack a lunch. And then next thing I know, it's 9 p.m., I've hardly had any time to wind down um, after my shift. And in order to make my best effort to get seven or eight hours of sleep, you know, the, the minimum that I should be getting before my alarm goes off at 5.30 a.m. for the next shift, I should technically be in bed trying to sleep by 10 or 10.30. It's a very tight schedule, leaves 
very little flexibility. And I sympathize so much for shift workers with families that have to coordinate, you know, children's schedules and their partners and that kind of thing. So, <clears throat> you know, we work long hours, high stress environment, short breaks between shifts and to top it off, many people are actually switching from days to nights regularly, which adds a whole other element of challenge. You know, um, right now with COVID, we're experiencing decreased staffing levels. You know, people are working more overtime, it's extra stress, you know, the risk of exposure is there. People who are exposed are being removed from work. So, you know, there's a whole lot of challenges right now for people in healthcare. So um, definitely, you know, any kind of help is, is yeah. huge. Well, I think getting enough sleep when you're working 12 hour shifts is a challenge on its own, but this pandemic has added a whole another level of obstacle to that. So just from listening to how a regular 12 hour shift would leave little time for, for sleep, I think that one of the things that if you're a family member or a roommate, you live with someone who is an essential service worker, especially if they're working 12 hour shifts, um, there's some things you can do to support them to help them have the time for the opportunity for sleep. And a big one would be to um, just, and it's simple, prepare their meals for them. Cooking is really time consuming uh, and it cuts into precious sleep time. Often shift workers stay up late making their meals for the next day or get up too early to get a meal prepared for it. Or even worse, they don't have a meal going into their 12 hour <laughs> shift. <laughs> and on top of that too, running their errands for them. So if you're gonna cook for them, you know, there's one person per household dedicated to go get groceries. Don't let it be that person that has to work the 12 hour shifts. Yeah. If you can help it for sure. Absolutely. Running errands for them really will alleviate some of that, um, that time crunch that they have, um, to have that opportunity for rest in between their shifts. And another one is, you know, if you live with them and they're, and they're sleeping during the daytime, you might be working from home or something like that, but try to be respectful that their sleep is a need, not a want during the daytime. So be quiet mm -hmm. <laughs> and allow them the opportunity for that eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. And if you're a family with kids, um, pick up the slack for the other parent who is still out there working because that sleep is so precious for them. And Leah has some really great recommendations about families with kids, kids and sleep, not my specialty. I have no idea. <laughs> well, having your kids at home is certainly an added challenge, but it also can actually be a unique opportunity to try and, you know, work at getting everybody on a healthy sleep schedule. Right now we're, we're at home way more than what we're used to being at home. Um, our children and teens are there with no sports, you know, no after school commitments, no you know, physically designated time for school, play dates, or anything else, this may, you know, this may create the tendency to kind of let things go a little bit off the rails, especially when it comes to sleep. You know, it's a lot to manage everyone in the house together. Um, but to protect ourselves and our families from becoming sick, and also, you know, to decrease the stress and anxiety that comes with this pandemic, good sleep habits are essential for everybody. Um, it's, it, is so multi beneficial that you know it's definitely something to consider during this time 
Um, and it's something that you can do for free. You don't have to go outside of your house yep. or interact with the public. Right. You right. still do this and social distance. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and sometimes I find, especially with shift workers, we might be inclined to try and have our kids stay up later than what, you know, maybe their ideal bedtime is so that we can get to spend some time with them when we're working long hours. It's best for everybody involved to just keep a good sleep routine. You know, for example, children who are, you know, seven and under, an appropriate bedtime for them would be six to seven. 7 p.m. So that might be before you get home from your shift, but it's more beneficial for them to have, you know, for their development, for their immune system, everything to, to have sleep at that time when their body is craving it. And just to reiterate what Leah said, that's 6 to 7 p.m. bedtime. I mean, a lot of people aren't following that. It's lighter out outside yeah. now but if you're it's harder to enforce right now where it's light out blackout curtains are a great option absolutely for that. it doesn't mean that they don't need that sleep just because the sun is up that's right kids are different and you don't want a sleep deprived kid that's a quarantine nightmare yes <laughs> keeping up children young children especially later than this you know 6 to 7 p.m can lead to moodiness poor behavior difficult bedtimes lack of focus trying to do schoolwork with them frequent night awakenings which disrupts everybody earlier morning wake-ups despite popular beliefs keeping children up later does not help them sleep in i repeat does not help them sleep in later that's right they're not adults so i can speak to adults if you if you're finding that you're an early riser and you want to sleep later yeah adults you can stay up later you can compress your sleep you can force it to move the other way kids are nothing like that no. <laughs> we can't impose the way that our bodies react to sleep is the same as a child because they are totally different yeah developmentally children need earlier bedtimes it's just the way it is different kettle of fish that's right so leah what do you recommend for the families who are struggling to get enough sleep during this pandemic well if families are looking to lessen the burden of stress everyone during this time. Good sleep habits for everyone is a good place to start. So if you're feeling like this is a daunting task to try to adjust your child's bedtime, you know, maybe your younger kids, you think, oh, okay, yeah, they've been staying up till eight or nine. It's a little bit too late. I probably should be getting them to bed earlier. Not to mention it gives you more time for yourself in the evening, which is kid-free time, huge. valuable. <laughs> um, the easiest way to make this transition is just to start if, with 15 minute intervals. So each night start the bedtime process 15 minutes earlier and then you're getting them to bed before you know it after a few days they're getting to bed you know a half hour 45 minutes even an hour earlier and that cumulative effect is hours per week yeah that's, that's a lot more sleep they're getting hours yeah. per week and even it's, if it's just 15 minutes yeah it's very important so um until you can kind of bring it back 15 minutes until you get to the point that you know the time that you're looking for and you know even teens we definitely don't police teens sleep like we should but you know they should be encouraged to be in bed no later than 10 p.m right now either developmentally brains need that they need more rest than what we need and they need more rest than what i know they're getting so quiet time in the evening for everyone will be so beneficial just to prepare everybody for sleep it's going to be beneficial to have that quiet time in the evening for essential workers too just to kind of chill out in the evening and have time to decompress, decompress yeah so you know, important right now. Yeah, we always say, you know, it's a great time to place um, that restriction in the evening on screen time. We have all definitely seen the increase in screen time throughout COVID. We can't deny that. So start there. Start with decreasing the screen time in the evenings and, and sticking to relaxation activities to kind of promote bedtime for everybody. Yeah, and just speaking of screen time, just in the same um 
genre, <laughs> light. Yeah. Because um, light is so important for cues for our brain of when to when we're supposed to be sleeping. So a good practice would be for for people that are in the home to dim the lights in the evening, especially if that's essential service workers coming home at 7 p.m. to come into a dim dimly lit home that's actually ideal that helps to start to wind down their brain help decompress prepare their bodies for sleep because when you come home from a 12-hour shift it's not like you can wind down jump in bed and immediately fall asleep your right. brain is still pretty pretty active there yeah. so i do find that 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 cue for your brain will really make a big difference yeah. even just turning off the main lights turning on the lamps in the house yeah. um, if you have dimmer switches use those and really it's a cue for the whole family that it's time to start winding down and preparing for bed yeah so I think that's a great idea and it's also a good idea to try to plan like I kind of said before calming activities that are sleep promoting so it's just good sleep hygiene. If you've listened to our past episodes, we talk about sleep hygiene a little bit. So include your older children and teens in this if you want to. Um, the younger ones should be in bed, but those activities can be part of everyone's bedtime routine to prepare your family for sleep. It gives you some time together doing relaxing things. So these can be things like you know board games, cards, puzzles, things that can be done in a dim, non-blue tinted light, of course. Yeah, I think those are really useful. If you're a single person, you live alone, you don't live with anyone that is working in essential services and you think this doesn't apply to me, well since I am sending this upstairs to our Lizzo neighbor upstairs <laughs> who's been dancing and playing the flute, making a lot of noise, if you live in an apartment building or even a multi-unit complex, um, unless it's soundproof, you could be causing some disruption to someone's sleep that might be, you know, a nurse that's in between shifts and in between night shifts and she's trying to sleep during the day so she can be at her best for and have her best immune protection for the following shift. Right. Um, just being aware of the noise that you're making during the daytime. Or even like in the early evening, you could be disrupting someone's sleep. Um, just be aware of, of that yeah. and try to be a good neighbor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, right now everybody's, you know, blasting these YouTube, Instagram home workouts. Everyone's an Instagram influencer with their workouts right now. <laughs> so, I mean, it's great. It's very beneficial. There's tons of workouts to do when you're stuck in the house. But try and be mindful of the times that you choose to do these. Speaking from experience of my upstairs neighbors, if you, you know, consider the fact that there may be people working, sleeping for night shifts, that kind of thing, maybe plan to do your your workouts in the early evening, like supper time kind of thing. That's a time when not a lot of people are trying to sleep, so you might not be disturbing them. And you also have the option of maybe taking it outside. If you have a yard, take it outside during that time too, and just try to keep it quiet. Or if you live in an apartment building and you have the space, go out on your balcony and do it. Another good option just to kind of limit that disruption for other people. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, the if you film your, your at-home workout, you have a nice background, a nice view. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so another tip if you don't live with um, someone who's an essential care worker, you can still help them. You can drop off groceries for them. You know, um, that is still considered something that people can do. You don't have to interact with them. You could just drop them at the door, give them a shout, and say, hey, I happen to drop off some groceries for you. Just that alleviation of those time consuming chores really does help them have a better opportunity for more sleep.
It's true. I mean, you can just strop on by over here and drop me off a casserole any day. I'll be <laughs> thrilled if I just open my door and there's a casserole there. I'll have supper, pack it up for lunch the next day. Yeah, all Huge the time, time saver. <laughs> Great stress relief. I recommend it. And lastly, if you really want to help your essential service worker, especially if they're a shift worker as well, Tell them about the Sleep Culture Podcast. Yes, it's a great opportunity for them to learn something about it. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on our page wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Sleep Culture Podcast. We hope you sleep well. Sleep well, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>